Good morning, everybody. Uh, I just want to welcome you all. My name is Pastor Derek. If you don't know who I am, you're here for the first time today. Uh, welcome to Connect Community Church. Um, before we get started in our continuation of our series, The Holy Spirit, I want to actually pray uh, as a church uh, for our friends. Um, as mentioned just earlier in Connect News, for those of you who are uh, kind of keying in on that or tuning into that, uh, we support as a church uh, the Association of Related Churches. We are a member, partner, full partner, have been for many years. Uh, and you as a church body, uh, the faithful givers to Connect Community Church, have contributed uh, to the establishment of over 300 churches being planted. Uh, that represents thousands and thousands of people attending church right now uh, as we speak. And uh, many people, um, thousands of people, in fact, coming to Christ as a result. So we feel one of the best ways to leverage uh, resources, kingdom resources, is to plant churches. It is the most effective way uh, to reach the lost in America today. It's the establishment of new life-giving churches just like Connect. Come on, somebody. And so um, we have such a, a church uh, just like ours going into uh, launch mode this morning. It's a big deal. And what's unique about today is that they are, they're like family to us. Uh, Pastor Justin and Stephanie Daly are like, he's like a spiritual son to uh, this church. Um, I actually tried to uh, recruit him and Pastor Randy stole him away from me. So when he, when Pastor Randy comes here in March, we're all going to boo Pastor Randy when he arrives. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm just kidding. They're all extremely close friends. But uh, they're launching a church today and I just wanted to give them our full support. And so if you would just kind of join me as we pray for them, would you stand to your feet? Maybe even join hands with your your neighbor, I know that's a little awky for some of you guys, but we can make it, I'll be short. Um, but we're going to lift them up, and uh, this is a big deal, and I know it's huge, and I just want to pray that God's Spirit be on their services. They're getting ready to, to they're, he's probably preaching right about now, and uh, they've, a tremendous effort has gone into the establishment of the church. You can't imagine what it takes to launch a church, um, but uh, let's just pray. Would you join hearts, and would you close your eyes, and let's just pray. Father, in Jesus' name. Uh, my wife and I stand here on behalf of Connect Community Church and the leadership of our church and the people of this church. And we're so thankful, God, for, for Justin and for Stephanie for answering the call of God on their lives, Lord Jesus, to reach people in the Orlando area, the Action Church. Lord, we thank you that, you know, we're not called just to, just to believe or just to have faith, but to have faith with action. Faith without works is dead. And I thank you, this will be a church of, of great works, God. We're not saved by our works, but we're saved for good works. And I pray the Action Church does many mighty works. Today is a mighty work. It's the beginning uh, of an incredible, incredible journey of many people, Lord, being drawn to a vision and to a visionary. Just lift them up, God. I pray your spirit be there as uh, Pastor Justin speaks, Lord. May the anointing be present. May hearts be touched. May people be drawn to the vision of the Action Church, Lord. I thank you for the establishment of another life-giving church, and I pray your blessing upon it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. God love you guys. Thank you. You may be seated. <coughs> Please pray for Justin and Stephanie. Uh, next week, we have another spiritual son launching a church just around the corner from us. We'll be praying again for Emmy and Emily Vasquez uh, as they launch uh, Excel Church. Uh, we're actually supporting them uh, on that particular day even more strategically. So isn't it great to be a part of a church that's raising the water level of the Holy Spirit, not just in our church, but in our region and in our nation? Isn't that cool? See, it's not just about us four and no more. It's about really helping people in the body of Christ as a whole 
uh, be able to reach people for Christ. You're going to stand before God one day, those of you who have invested uh, in Connect Community Church, and you're going to be rewarded in heaven. You're building, as we talked about not too long ago, an eternal retirement account when you invest in this church because you're helping build other churches. Uh, over just under 13% of our total operational budget goes uh, to missions and the work that I just mentioned to you. Isn't that great? So it's an exciting time to be alive, and it's an exciting time to see uh, hearts and lives changed uh, through people who are willing to kind of give their life fully to the call of God. Anyway, we're in our series. Uh, this is the third installment. How many have been here for one and two of the Holy Spirit? Raise your hand good and high. Have you got something out of it? Yes. Can you give me a yes, Lord? Yes, Lord. All right. I like it when churches talk back, and so in a good way, that is. Um, but just a quick review of the series, okay, if you're just kind of plugging in and tracking. Um, the Holy Spirit has got a lot of uh, bad press sometimes because of man, not necessarily because of what's in Scripture. And so some of our hang-ups and hindrances, some of our obstacles, some of the misinterpretations, misinformation, barriers, and boundaries that have been out there regarding the Holy Spirit has way less to do with, um, you know, what we see in the Bible, but it has way more to do with what we've seen through people. And the fact of the matter is the Holy Spirit isn't weird. People are. You might have one to your right or to your left. You might be one. You know what I'm saying? So it's, the truth is people can just be weird. The Holy Spirit isn't weird. He's cool. And he wants his primary role, as we discussed in week one, is to be your friend, to be in relationship with you. And if you see the next week we talked about the, the, the person uh, of the Holy Spirit, that he has a personality, that he has a soul, that he has a, a mind, he has emotions, he has feelings, he has thoughts, he has desires, he has a will. And, and if you see the person of the Holy Spirit like a person, then you can have a relationship with that person. He wants you to have a relationship with him. He wants you to see his primary role is to come alongside you, to help you navigate this crazy nuts world. But you're not going to experience that if you don't see him as a person. Not only will you benefit from a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit, but it actually one of the, one of the I guess more impacting moments of last week's particular uh, service, because I got a lot of feedback about this, was it'll help you uh, prevent, and we'll talk more about this a little bit today, um, fall into sin. We talked about the difference between sin and iniquity, amen? You know what, I, you, you guys remember that. And so the Holy Spirit is so awesome, and I just so badly want to introduce you to him in the best way. Today, I'm going to do something um, that, 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 that I need you to kind of step up your game a little bit because I'm gonna, it's, a, it's a little bit of uh, teachy, a little bit historical, and I'm going to talk about Pentecost, what Pentecost was all about. First, I'll just say that uh, Pentecost, you know, people might ask, you know, is the Holy Spirit Pentecostal? You know, are you Pentecostal? Those are the kind of things that come up. And when we talk about the word Pentecostal, there's really a cultural definition there's a historical definition, uh, there's denominational definitions, there's, but there's really the important one is the biblical definition of the word Pentecost or where we get Pentecostal. If you're, if you're, if you're asking a question, you know, is the Holy Spirit Pentecostal, by that do you mean um, do, do we have to wear culottes and we can't wear pants? Do, by that do you mean we might wear makeup or we don't wear makeup? You know, is that what you mean by Pentecostal? Some of you know you're smiling because you have these experiences and these exposures, all right? You know, by the way, I believe in makeup. Not personally. I, I just want you to don't confuse that. But ladies, I'm grateful that some of you wear makeup. It's, it's wonderful. <laughs> I, that, came out, that came out wrong. That came out wrong. 
I was <laughs> telling my wife, I was waiting for her to come to bed. She takes forever to come to bed. It's cause I, and, and I was like, it, it, just so much work for a woman. It's just so much work. But I, I, I said, but I'm thankful. But I'm thankful. You know, at the end of it, I'm so thankful. But if it's, if it's wear makeup, not wear makeup. If it's wear pants, you know, wear skirts. If it's, you know, put your hair up in a bun. You know what I mean? Like, is that Pentecostal? No, that's bondage. That's bondage, you know? Or you have to wear one of those doilies, you know, on your head. And, and, and if you think that's Pentecostal, uh, that's the Holy Spirit's definition. I don't believe so. I believe that's legalism. That's legalism. The truth is Pentecostal is not always the legalistic ones. You can, there's other denominations that can be legalistic as well. Are you here? But if by Pentecostal do you mean or do you believe that um, in the person, the work of the Holy Spirit, if by Pentecostal do you mean you believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit? If by Pentecostal, do you mean you believe what happened in Acts 2 applies to us today? Do you believe that uh, it's referring to the empowerment of Christians to be able to live the Christian life um, uh, as an overcomer, as uh, our MC this morning was just saying to us? Then yes, I believe the Holy Spirit's Pentecostal, and in, in that sense, uh, we are, if that's your definition. Um, there are sometimes you know, indirect or direct questions that come to people personally. Like, people like to label people. Um, I've had people want to know or ask me, are, are, you, are you Pentecostal? Because, like, I need to know. Like, in other words, I'm not sure I'll associate with you, or I'm not sure I'm going to be in relationship with you because you're Pentecostal. Isn't it interesting to note that we want to label people. This has been happening for hundreds of years in all different types of denominations. I want to know, are you part of this denomination? Are you part of that denomination? And I mean, I mean John was a Baptist. I mean, that's obvious. <laughs> Scripture says he's Baptist. So the Bible says it. So anyway, um, but we're, 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 um, we're not Baptist. We're not Pentecostal. Um, we believe in water baptism, but we're not a part of the Baptist denomination. We believe in uh, the biblical definition uh, or the, uh, the, uh, outs, the, the outcomes of Pentecost, but we're not Pentecostal. Are you guys tracking? We're kind of like Bapticostal. Okay? So anyway, get in your notes. What is Pentecostal? Let's unpack that, all right? Obviously, the word Pentecost, uh, Pentecostal comes from this word Pentecost. In Acts chapter 2, which is kind of the infamous scripture about this, Acts 2 verse 1 and following, it says this. It says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come. Now, I, I never really kind of understood altogether what this meant, so I'll unpack that a little bit. But the day of Pentecost, remember that. I'll explain it a little bit. They were all in one accord in one place. Notice the unity and the, car, and the kind of car they drove. And suddenly, there, it's God's car, Honda Accords. Uh, and suddenly, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. By the way, this sound was so loud that even people outside uh, in the community even heard this sound. And, um, and it filled the whole house where they were, where they were sitting. And then, then there appeared to them divided, everybody say divided. divided. A better interpretation of that word would be individual in the Greek. Individual, translated, divided is translated individual. So there appeared to them individual tongues as of fire, uh, and it sat on each one of them. 
Acts actually, I think it's Acts 1, 15 tells us that there were actually 120 people in this room where these tongues of fire sat on each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. And again, the word tongues comes from, in the Greek, is the word glossa, where we get the word glossary, which means languages, okay, languages. And this all happened as the Spirit gave them utterance. In other words, he enabled them or empowered them to do so. So what happened at Pentecost? Here's what Pentecost is all about. Pentecost is one of three major feasts. The three major feasts were Passover, uh, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. There were actually seven feasts in total. Um, um, Passover and Pentecost were one, but in Tabernacles, there was actually uh, three feasts inside of that. So there's seven kind of in total, all right? And basically, three times a year, people would come from all over to celebrate these feasts, and they would celebrate them several times a year, in the first, the third, and the seventh month of every single year. And Passover uh, is where they celebrated, and we'll get into this a little bit more later. The Spirit, it talks, it's the, you know, the Old Testament story where, where the angel of death came. Um, you know, Israel is enslaved. The Hebrews are enslaved in Egypt. And you know the whole story of Moses, and he's the deliverer. He's an Old Testament savior kind of a parallel to Jesus and the New Testament Savior of the world. Moses was a Savior just of God's people at the time. Now we're, now the church is really Israel, okay? So there's always an Old Testament, New Testament connection that I always like to try to, you know, put the cookies on the bottom shelf for you, make it make sense, all right? But Passover is, is really what we celebrate today um, is communion. It really all, all this started back there. It's a celebration of the angel of death passing over the people of God and saving them so they were not destroyed. And so the blood would go on the doorposts of all the homes. It actually was a foreshadowing of the cross because when they spilled the blood, it actually made the image of a cross. There's a lot more to this than I could maybe share today. But it, they were saved by the blood of the lamb. That was an individual lamb sacrifice. Later it became the blood of the lamb, Jesus, the once and for all sacrifice for us. So that's Passover. Pentecost is a celebration of the giving of the law where on Mount Sinai, Moses goes up into the mountain, and God gives uh, Moses the law for the people, the law known as the Ten Commandments. And, and, and so he writes this law on tablets of stone, and he brings it down to the people. And so Pentecost, when all the people would come together to celebrate, uh, or to, to, to um, con convene and celebrate, it was, Pentecost was a celebration of the giving of the law way back then on Mount Sinai. Are you tracking with me so far? So um, Pentecost, if you broke those two words, penta means five. You, if you went to school, hopefully you did, you know, you studied like, you know, pentagons and pentagrams and things like that, right? Five-sided things, five. And then costi, it means uh, it's a zero or it's like um, if you just like adding a zero to the five, you get 50 or 50th is really the actual uh, literal interpretation of Pentecost. So when you hear the word Pentecost or Pentecostal, it's not some big scary word. Are you Pentecostal? Are you, do you believe in Pentecost? Like Mufasa, Mufasa. I mean, it's like scary, you know? <laughs> no, it means 50. Okay? 50. Turn to your neighbor and say 50. That's it. 50. 50th. It's not a big scary word, okay? So specifically, it's 50 days in other words, 50 days after Passover, this is what happened. The Holy, this is Old Testament. I'll unpack this more in a little bit. But 50 days after Passover, 
the, the, the Holy Spirit comes down. In the Old Testament, he comes down in a cloud and in thunder and in fire on Mount Sinai. You can read it in Exodus chapter 19. It's an unbelievable story. I mean, it's, it's crazy. And he gave the law, and that was the celebration of Pentecost. Again, Pentecost is simply the celebration of the giving of the law. And so the text in Acts 2 that says, and when the day of Pentecost had fully come, this is, this is Old Testament is getting ready to meet New Testament. It's get, Old Testament experience is getting ready to be fulfilled right now. Wait a second, hold on. This is going to be crazy, okay? So for years, I didn't understand certain thing about the math of all this because um, the 50th, it was the 50th on Pentecost because Pentecost was 50 days after Passover. But Passover, as some of you remember, was when Jesus died. He actually died on that day. And then he rose on Sunday. So there was a Sabbath in between, and then there was Sunday. He rose on that day. You know, he, he rose, as we all know, on the third day, the day after the Sabbath, the first day of the week. And in other words, he rose on a Sunday. So if you, if you went 50 days after that Sunday, that would be more than 50 days after Passover. So I was kind of confused by the math. But the Bible says that in, in different places that he was on the earth, Jesus was on the earth for 40 days, that he actually needed to be on the earth 40 days. He revealed himself. Uh, after he rose, and the disciples were there, and they were praying for 10 days, and you see these significant numbers. By the way, when you see these repeated numbers, things like 7 and 3 and 40 and 10, and they're, they're significant for a lot of different reasons, and, and they were, they were, he was on the earth 40 days after he rose. There was 10 days of prayer, and I was thinking, you know, this isn't right. This was 50 days from his resurrection rather than 50 days from Passover, so the math kind of didn't match up. Some of you probably don't know what I'm talking about. But that's okay. I'm just going to do this anyway. But in Leviticus, which is in your notes, he explains the math on all this. He actually saw God's foresight, his foreknowledge. He saw that these things needed to line up later. This is just cool to me, and I just thought I'd throw this in for some of you Bible thumpers. Um, but it says this. It says, and you shall count for yourselves. Remember, this is way back in Leviticus, right? We're in Acts 2, but we're looking back at Leviticus. You should count for yourselves from the day after the Sabbath. From that day, you'll, brought, you'll uh, bring the sheath of the wave offering. Seven Sabbaths shall be completed. That's 49 days. Then count 50 days, and then you shall offer a new grain offering to the Lord. So let me try to put the cookies on the bottom shelf on this one. This is actually amazing. They had celebrated Pentecost, the giving of the law, 50 days after Passover. But God knew his son needed to be on the earth 40 days. 40 days is significant. It's like, um, it's like when a woman's 40 weeks, you know, there's that, it's, it's significant of preparation. There's, there's different examples of 40 days of prayer in the Bible and, and fasts and it rained on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. And there's just, there's, there's a lot of different things about that number. But he also knew, again, the disciples were going to pray for 10 days. 10 is also a significant number. It's a number of testing. Uh, Daniel was tested in, uh, in the Bible, and, and the Ten Commandments, Ten Commandments, tests kind of, so, so to speak, for not ten suggestions. Um, tithing, tithing the tenth, that's a test for us on, the, on this earth. In order for this to, this, this to work out together, the math, so to, so to speak, had to check out in the end, but way back in Leviticus, God determined this. He said, hey, I don't want you to celebrate Pentecost 50 days after Passover. I want you to start counting a little later, the day after the Sabbath, right after Passover, and then it will all work together. 
For some of you, um, because of time, I, 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 I'm sorry if I can't make it make perfect sense to you, but basically what's happened is because of God, in his foreknowledge, he saw things that needed to happen later on down the road. He planned for Jesus to rise on that day and walk on that earth and reveal himself all those days, all those things in advance. And so he had, he had them start celebrating this way way back then so that later this would all check out and line up perfectly. The Bible is just perfectly synchronized is really what I want you to know. And that's why it says, and when the day of Pentecost had fully come, it was all lining up perfectly, and he knew it was going to happen long before it ever happened in the first place. Uh, Number two, what happened at Pentecost? Acts 2, verse 5, as we continue reading in this particular chapter, it says, and there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men, listen to this, from every nation under heaven. That's a lot of nations, isn't it? This was a big event, okay, at Pentecost. And this is going to be interesting because um, if you continue reading, it uh, only lists 15, but, but it tells us every nation is there. So you just need to keep that in mind. List 15, I can't even recite half of the names, but uh, every nation was there. And it says, and when the sound occurred, the multitude came together, everyone heard it and responded, and they were confused. Everybody remember that word, confused. I'll come back to it. Because everyone heard them speaking in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not these who speak Galileans? Now, that was actually, just so you know, a derogatory statement. It was kind of, it was basically the way this particular people group and that particular culture were considered kind of on the low end of the totem pole. In other words, these people don't have the ability or education to be able to speak more than one language. That's what they were saying. Aren't these people who speak Galileans? Um, and so they, were kind of, they just kind of marveled at this whole thing. And then it goes on. If you were reading in your Bibles, it lists these different nations represented. Uh, there's 11 out of the 15. I can't even pronounce. So let's skip to verse 11. And it says, uh, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues. That word is glossa. The wonderful works of God. Everybody say the wonderful works of God. All right. So what happened here is... Um, All these nations were there. They were gathered together. And then what happens is the Holy Spirit shows up. Now, that's a whole message by itself. Actually, tonight I'm going to talk about the Holy Spirit showing up, okay? Kind of how to have a a shaker meeting, not a Quaker meeting. That's what tonight's all about for those of you who are interested, all right? And these disciples, not apostles, not the 12 disciples, believers just like us, people who believe in God, 120 people are in this upper room and they're praying and the Holy Spirit shows up. Jesus told him what was going to happen. Before he said go, he said wait. That was his last words, by the way. And, and so they are there and they begin to speak in a heavenly language. Um, now, at this particular time, they were speaking in languages that all these people there could hear and understand from all these nations of the earth. Later, you'll see different references to the speaking of tongues of angels. It's the, our heavenly language. So that's a, a whole, 1 Corinthians 13, 1 references that, and 14 as well. And, and they could understand, even though these were Galileans who spoke only one language, they could hear these people speaking languages in their tongue from all over the earth. All right? And I want you to think about this. The Holy Spirit comes down, they're gathered together, and these people from all different nations are there. They're speaking these different languages, and they're in one place, and they can understand the words, the works of God, the marvelous things of God that these individuals are speaking as if it were all one language. They're all together, unified, um, connected, all right? But when they came together, it says they were confused. 
Everybody say confused. They were confused as they came together. Now, doesn't that sound, I could have done a lot of different things in this particular story, but doesn't that sound similar to another story, again, in the Old Testament? In Genesis chapter 11, uh, another story that we've all probably heard or read about at one time, it's actually the exact opposite of this story in the Old Testament. It's the story of the Tower of Babel. So think about this. These people at the Tower of Babel were building this tower that wanted to go up into the heavens. They were filled with rebellion and pride. They all came together on that particular day in rebellion and pride. But on the day of Pentecost, all these people were gathered together in the upper room in submission and humility, waiting on God. By the way, a prerequisite for the move of God's Spirit is not rebellion and pride, but submission, surrender, and humility. And in that place where they were in rebellion and pride, what did God do? He confused their language. And they all began to speak in different languages. And as a result, they couldn't understand each other. And they scattered to all different places all over the earth. Interesting. Are you guys all awake out there? Are you tracking with this? Okay. And yet on the day of Pentecost, they all come together, all, all of these nations of the earth, all of those languages, and the Holy Spirit comes, falls, and they could all understand one another. Interesting. They could all understand. They could all grasp. You want a picture of heaven? This is it. Heaven is every nation. Nation means ethnos. Every people group, tongue, tribe, language will be gathered together, speaking as if it were one language, all understanding and praising God and experiencing the revelations and downloads of God. That's, that's what heaven will be like. Isn't that awesome? So Pentecost, listen to this. This is worth writing down, tweeting out, whatever. Pentecost really is the blessed reversal of the cursed consequence or judgment of Babel. It's the exact opposite. It's the fulfillment of what God wanted to happen, what wants to happen in our lives, happen, what, could, what, was, what was made impossible because of man became possible because of God. Amen. So anyway, let's go. This is, I don't even know if you realize how good this message is. I really know. Because I'm telling you, I got a lot out of this. Let's go back to the original Pentecost. Okay, again, Acts 9, excuse me, Exodus 19. It's a good scripture to read later. The cloud descends on the mountain. There was a loud noise. There was thunder. There was lightning. Uh, there, 3,000 people died, and the law was written on the tablets of their heart. All right, that's Exodus 19. In Acts chapter 2, so that's the that's the. And that's the Old Testament Pentecost. And Acts chapter 2 is the fulfilled Pentecost. The Holy Spirit descends. There was a loud sound. Tongues of fire fell with, with 3,000 people getting saved. And God, God wrote his laws on their hearts. Tablets of flesh. Are you guys getting this? This is big, okay? Pentecost is actually the introduction of the Holy Spirit to empower us to live righteously on the earth. That's what it is. Jesus came to, to, um, to make us righteous, but the Holy Spirit came to help us live righteously. I don't know if you understand how important the Holy Spirit is to you. Jesus came to make you righteous. The Holy Spirit will help you live righteously. That should be enough to want to know the Holy Spirit because we all struggle to live righteously. And in fact, before Moses came down from Mount Sinai, before he had even come down with the tablets, with the law, man was already breaking those laws. 
While he was writing, do not commit adultery, they were down on the bottom of the mountain committing adultery. I mean, before the ink, I know it wasn't ink, before the ink even dried, we were breaking those laws. Understand the Old Testament, the Old Covenant doesn't work. And so Jesus came to rectify that, but then he said, I got to go so the Holy Spirit can help um, reproduce the right way of living over and over and over again in the hearts and minds of people. You can, I, my opinion, you cannot live a righteous life without the power of the Holy Spirit. The reality is, the truth is, the Ten Commandments are not that hard. If you just look at them, if you look at them just for what, what, look what he's asking us to do. I mean, don't lie, don't steal, honor your parents, don't covet, put God first in everything, don't take his name in vain. It, it shouldn't be that difficult, but it is without the power of the Holy Spirit because we've all broken law, those laws at one point or another, maybe not all of them. In our hearts, though, we might have, in our minds, we might have, all of them. The Bible says if you broke one, you broke them all. You have to keep the whole law. The only person to keep the whole law is Jesus. That's why he made us righteous, because he was the only one. He didn't abolish the law. He fulfilled the law, because we couldn't do it. That's the whole reason he came. This is good preaching. Billy Graham was on the Johnny Carson show years and years ago, and Johnny Carson asked Billy Graham a direct question. He said, have you ever broken one of the Ten Commandments? And Billy Graham said, yes, I've broken them all. On TV, you know, this is a big show, right? And Billy, uh, Johnny Carson was like in shock. And then Billy Graham turned around and he said, if you've broken one, you've broken them all. But because of what Jesus did, he began to witness to him and share the gospel right on television. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. That's why we need Jesus, he told him. Woo, it was good. Anyway, I love Billy Graham. That was awesome. Somebody, uh, just pray, you know, he's, it's just amazing what he's done. So what happened at Pentecost was the fulfillment of God's law, but it was being written on our hearts, okay? New Testament, new deal, improved plan. More on that in the end. Can I experience Pentecost? That's the question, the next question. Uh, in other words, I wasn't alive back then, so how does that apply to me now? I'll, I'll answer this a little bit in a second, but let's read this. Acts 2, verse 3 and 4. Then there appeared to them divided, again, or individual tongues as a fire, and one, everybody remember that word, one, look at that Look at this word. One sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. In other words, if we'd been there, uh, if I had been there, you would see a tongue of fire over my head, and I would see a tongue of fire over Brian's head. And I'd say, hey, Brian, there's a tongue of fire over your head. And he'd say, there's a tongue of fire over your head. Now, I personally believe I couldn't see that tongue. I'd look, and the thing would move. You know what I mean? It would just keep moving. <laughs> Brian couldn't see his. You know what I'm saying? It would just, it would move. Because it took faith for me to believe that I had received. This is good. It's the same thing that it takes to believe that you've received salvation. It's the same thing that you need to believe that you've received the Holy Spirit. Okay? That's very important. You have to receive and believe by faith that God has given you a tongue also. And so you have to believe it's not for the super Christians only. Listen, there weren't just apostles up in the room and the 12 up in the room. There were 120 disciples, Christ followers up there. And Acts uh, 1 uh, verse 4, it says, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to, to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise, key word there, promise. We'll talk about that. Of the Father, which, in other words, he's going to tell them what that promise is. He said, you have heard from me. In other words, I've told you this about this before. For John truly baptized with water. So Jesus is telling me. Remember when I talked to you about John's baptism? John the Baptist, you know, that's his denomination, with water. Just kidding. 
but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So Jesus told him it was coming. Week one, I was telling you, don't trust me, don't take my word for it, take Jesus' word for it. He talked about this for three chapters, 14, 15, 16 of the Gospel of John. So he says, wait, 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 because there's a promise coming, and he told them long before this was going to happen. Then after the Holy Spirit came and the multitude comes together, Peter uh, he, he preaches. It's a good time to preach after the Holy Spirit shows up, by the way. Who, you know, I mean, that's just like, you can't miss. It's like, here's a softball, hit this. I mean, it, something good's gonna happen. Preachers get that. It's, it's awesome. I mean, it's like, it's the best time when it, the, the crowd is with you, you know? The Holy Spirit shows up. And basically what happens is, he begins to preach and the people respond, and this is the, the paraphrase, they, what do we need to do to get that? Like, we want what you got. Can you, can you unpack that for us? And so then Peter said to them, here's what you need to do. Now, this is just kind of like, here's the journey of a Christian in a nutshell, Peter preaches. He says this in Acts 2, 38 and 39. Then Peter said to them, repent, all right? That's how you come to Jesus. You can, nobody gets saved that doesn't realize they're lost. Nobody gets rescued, doesn't realize they're drowning. Nobody can really uh, receive Jesus unless they realize, you know, they're, they're, they're fall short of the glory of God, Romans 3, 23. So he says, repent. Come to Jesus and let every one of you be baptized. Everybody say baptized. Now, this is in the name of Jesus Christ. This is referring to water baptism. So get saved, get water baptized for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Here's the third thing. Not just one, all right? Not just, just but, but, but as a person. You shall receive not just one gift, but the person of the Holy Spirit. For the promise, remember he referenced that earlier, is to you. Who's it, who's it for? It's for you. That word you in the Greek is not just one person. That's an editorial word. It's everyone. It's you, not just you. Okay? All right? And it is to you. It is to your children. So that means after you. And to all, that's all, and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord calls. Has the Lord called you? Yes. So this is an all play of all all plays. In other words, this scripture is going out of its way saying it's for everyone. Where it says to all who are far off, I believe that was a direct reference to Derek Fry. Amen. Because I was a far off. I was a far off even not not a far off like I, far off like I wouldn't make eternity, but I was a far off in terms of the life that God intended me for to live as a believer. So before I knew him, I was far off. And even as a believer, I was far off from his perfect plan for my life. You were far off too. This is a direct reference to you too. All right? This promise is to all. Can I experience Pentecost? Yes, it's right there. Some say Pentecost was a one-time thing, you know. And No, I, I'm loaded for bear with the Bible on this one, okay? So it, it's not just a one-time thing. You got to look in your Bible. Look at Acts 8. 10, 19, and then get back to me and tell me that, okay? But some say Pentecost, you know, it happened 2,000 years ago. So how can it apply to me today? Hold on a second. Can you experience salvation for something that happened 2,000 years ago? Yes. yes, you can. Absolutely you can. So Jesus did all that when he 2,000 years ago. That opened the door for you and for me. Jesus, I am the way, the truth, and life. He opened the door for us to have salvation. Pentecost is the same thing. The Holy Spirit came and opened the door for us to be able to live uh, the, uh, the righteous life that he intended. It was just like Jesus was the initial connection for us to God. 
Not everybody connected to God back then. It was the door for that to be possible. So at Pentecost, it was the initial outpouring of the Holy Spirit so we all could receive him thereafter. So can you receive Jesus in your life because of what happened 2,000 years ago? Yes. Do you need to receive him? Yes. Can you receive the Holy Spirit in your life because of what happened 2,000 years ago at Pentecost? Yes. Do you need to receive him? Yes. 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 Now here's the thing about the feast, real quick. The feast of Passover, again, the blood of the lamb being shed. This is really cool. We know that Jesus completely fulfilled all that was required. What's interesting is that at 9 a.m., what's happening is there's a Jewish tradition going on with a powerful revelation at the same time, all beginning to sync up. So things that Jews have been doing for hundreds and hundreds of years are all now about to be fulfilled and, um, and uh, practiced or, 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 or accomplished, that's the word, mission accomplished all through the life of Jesus. At 9 a.m., the Jews, this is what they were doing in this particular feast at Passover. They would slit the throat of a lamb and um, at 9 a.m., Jesus was nailed to a cross. At 3 p.m., they took the lamb and they would put it in an oven. And at 3 p.m., Jesus was put in a tomb. Isn't that crazy? Think about this, all right? He totally fulfilled the promise. By the way, at the same time they put the lamb into the oven, again, Jesus was going to the tomb. And then, they would, then the father would take unleavened bread, which was symbolic of purity or no sin in it or whatever. And, they, and the father would go and he would hide that bread somewhere in the house. Somewhere, just hide it, you know? And, and then on Sunday morning, uh, the day after the Sabbath, the father would pull this loaf of bread out and he would put it up before God like as an offering, like a wave offering to God. And it was, a, it was representative of the first fruits of all that he had and all that was to come. That's what the Jewish fathers would do. And then at that same time, Jesus was coming out of the tomb, rose, and only the father knew what he was doing. We didn't know what he was doing. And he became a first fruits offering for all of us and those after powerful. The Feast of Pentecost, as I already told you, was just the Holy Spirit came, you know, it's just the, the, the fulfillment uh, uh, celebration of the law coming, but the, Holy, but the New Testament is the Holy Spirit came and 3,000 people get saved and filled with the Holy Spirit in one day. By the way, Passover fulfilled in one day, Pentecost fulfilled in one day, and then the third feast is Feast of Tabernacles. That's all going to happen in one day too. This hasn't happened yet though. Tabernacles has not happened yet. Tabernacles includes a lot of stuff, but trumpets, the Day of Atonement. And let me tell you how it'll be fulfilled. Passover, again, and Pentecost were fulfilled in one day, but there's a day coming. Jesus said, uh, of that day, no one knows. You know, who knows when Jesus is coming back? Only the Father knows that. I think Jesus is just waiting. Is it yet? Am I, can I go yet? I think he's up there just ready to go. Ready? The Father says, nope, nope, you can't go yet. I think the horse, you know, is ready, saddled and ready to go. That white horse, that incredible horse, probably like him and Han, you know, doing his little thing with his, and Jesus is ready to go. No, no, no. Not, Father's saying, no, not yet. I want a few more people to be saved. Jesus doesn't know. Only the Father knows. But on that day, a trumpet will sound. If you hear the trumpet sound, you probably got seconds. All right? And there's going to be a judgment. There's, there's two judgments. I talked about this before, the judgment of faith, the judgment of works. And after that, after that's all done, we will forever tabernacle with the Lord. That's what that means. All right? This, it's the fulfillment of the final feast. And as believers, can you experience the fulfillment of Passover? The answer is yes. The Lamb of God. Jesus dying, paying for our sins. We all can receive that. As a believer, can you experience the fulfillment of tabernacles in an ultimate sense? Yes, we all can. 
Well, then why is it that we sometimes feel we can't experience the fulfillment of Pentecost? Again, I, this, this is, there's some really good stuff in here. I hope you get the CD and listen to this again. Do you know that, that, that Paul says to some believers in the book of Acts who have accepted Jesus already, this is Acts 19, I was referencing this earlier, I think it's in your notes, Acts 19 verse 1 says this, and it happened while Paulus was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus, and finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit since you believed? Apparently they grew up in some of the churches you might have grown up in. We haven't even heard there is a Holy Spirit, you know? Some people, it's just been put on the back shelf. Some people, it's just put aside. I know people who've, that I've, that I've uh, had the opportunity to disciple or talk to about the Lord, pastors of churches where I'm coaching, and their pastors told them, hey, all that, this is good, Jesus is good, water baptism is good, the Holy Spirit, that's, that's of the devil. That's of the devil. I mean, I'm telling you, lots of people have been, you might have been exposed to stuff like that. Uh, read your Bibles. Don't let man distort an incredible relationship with him. Don't get sidetracked by the, the weird and, the, you know, hanging from chandeliers and snake holding and all that kind of stuff and bondage and all that. Don't let that take you out. Because why would Paul ask them this question if they didn't need him? Amen? So now what? What is this, what does the reality of Pentecost mean what does it mean to me? What about today? In Acts 2.12, it says they were amazed and perplexed, and they asked one another, what does this mean? So this, this is what I think it means, the Holy Spirit outpouring at Pentecost. Number one, as I mentioned already, he empowers you and me to live righteously. This should be incentive enough to want all that there is in the Holy Spirit. God wants you, he wants to have, in other words, he wants you to have a new motivation for living. He doesn't want, he doesn't want it to be, um, a, um, a, a duty to follow him, but a delight to follow him. It's not a have to, but it's, a, it's not a got to, but it's a get to. And I think a lot of people who struggle, struggle to do right, struggle to, to keep the law, as it were, um, um, they struggle because uh, it's, it's impossible. And you know what happens? They get miserable and unhappy. I've met a lot of unhappy, mean Christians. You know, they're mean. You know, this is my personal theory. You know why they're mean? Because they want to sin, they just can't. That's my theory. They want to sin, they just can't. And so they carry their big Bible around and quote scripture. And, if I can't, you can't. Read this. You know? And then what happens is privately, like the Bible says, it's like a dog that returns to its vomit. If you know that scripture, it's like the thing that I do, I don't want it, I just keep going back to that and just, and it, it, I hate it. That's what the Bible's talking about. But God said, I want to put, I want to put my spirit in you. I want to take this thing to a whole nother level. I want to put a new motivation in you to live righteously. Acts 2.17 says, in the last days, says, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. As we read earlier, your sons, your daughters will prophesy. Young men will see vision. Your old men will dream dreams. If you dream in dreams, you're old. The Bible says so. This is what that means. Prophecy and vision and dreams and all that kind of stuff. It's just God's way of saying, this is what I want to do, and, and you're going you're gonna to get it. Like, you know how you just, there's stuff, you can read the Bible, and, you, and there's and the Christian, and all the things, you're just like, I don't get it, I don't get it. You'll get it. You'll get it. That's really what all that's talking about. Then in Romans 8, it says, you, who are, you however, are controlled not by the sinful nature. So if you are even as a believer, still being controlled by the sinful nature has a lot to do with the introduction and relationship with the Holy Spirit. 
You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature any longer. This whole thing in Romans 8 talks about what it means to live by the Spirit. But by the Spirit, if, now he was talking to Christians here, by the way, Romans 8, 9, the Spirit of God lives in you. In other words, if you live by the Spirit, then that nature no longer has control over you. So Pentecost is about writing God's law on your hearts, and it affects the way you live. It's an inside out, not an outside in. You can't tack on plastic fruit. You water it from the root so that it comes out. My daddy taught me that, okay? Galatians 5 tells us if we live by the Spirit, we will not satisfy, gratify the sinful desires of the flesh. That's what this is talking about, this life in the Spirit, in relationship with the Holy Spirit. Here's the next thing is he empowers me to live supernaturally. Supernaturally, meaning God never wanted you to have a relationship with him where you understand everything all about him. Like you just can put him in a box. He doesn't want to live in a box for you. If, if, if you can comprehend all that God is, if he can fit in your brain, you're going to struggle. I don't want God to be able to fit in my brain because my brain is small. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you want that kind of a God, you're going to have trouble. I, I don't want that. I've, I've met many people, and I know there's many people in this room have, who are facing and have faced situations that are impossible. And you don't want a powerless God. You don't want a God that can fit inside your, your little box, your little mind. You want a God sometimes, not to freak you out or to scare you, but frankly kind of blows your mind. Kind of blows your mind. I don't know about you, but, but that's what I want. The problem is God has been turned off in people's minds because of packaging, because of we've limited him by weird people and weird practices that are taken too far and too long. And, and you've you got to have a God where signs and wonders follow them that believe, believe. And I don't know about you, I don't want the weird stuff. I don't, I don't believe the Holy Spirit wants to give us that. If we'll seek him for, with our whole heart, if we'll surrender and submit to the Holy Spirit, we'll not copy what's been done before. We'll ask for the fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. He wants to pour out an authentic, sincere, genuine, you know, fire and oil or whatever the word is upon his people. We were created to do incredible things and not crazy Look at Acts 2.19. I will show you, look in your Bibles, your notes, whatever, worship guides. I will show you wonders. Yesterday in the prayer meeting, uh, in the morning, we sang God of wonders. Do you know what a wonder is? Let me put this on the, 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 the cookies on the bottom shelf for this one again also. It's, it's when something incredible happens, we say, I wonder how that happened. I wonder how that happened. I want that kind of response to be more normal in my life and in the life of our church, where we see more of the wonders of God. Amen? I don't know. Maybe some of you guys don't want that. That might be what's limiting him. Because the Bible says in Ephesians, you know, now to him who will do immeasurably more beyond what we could even ask or think according to the power that's in work within us. So we can plug into that power or we can unplug from it. It's our choice by our own free will and volition. So life is a whole lot more fun when you get to see God do things that never fit in your brain. Trust me, you don't want that. I don't believe we were ever supposed to come to people to try to be a witness to them and say, hey, I want to verse my argument versus your argument. It wasn't supposed to be intellectual assent that brought us to God. It was supposed to be power that brought us to God. The person that, uh, uh, and the reality of who he is that brought us to God. It's supposed, it's supposed to be like I think more of what happened in the Old Testament where Moses versus the magicians. 
You get, you get in the picture of that one? So 1 Corinthians 2, 4, it says my message, I'm freaking some people out a little bit, but that's okay. My message and my preaching, look, it's the Bible. They were not with wise and persuasive words, but it says with the demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God. You can't stand before God and say, Pastor D said this. That ain't going to hold up. Please don't do that to me. I'll get in trouble. Please don't do that. All right, here's the last point. He empowers me to fulfill his mission. He empowers me to fulfill his mission. The real heart of the power of the Holy Spirit is not, listen to me, not for your, this is for some of my oldies, not for your personal entertainment. This is one of my pet peeves, all right? I don't know how to say this, but people think that relationship with the Holy Spirit is, is the latest and greatest Holy Ghost goosebump. That's why, that's why there was a migration in, in, years ago where people were just going from one church to the next. You know what they were doing? They were looking for the next Holy Ghost goosebump, the next Holy Ghost high. You know, it's not there anymore. Ichabod, the Spirit of God hath lifted. Now he's over here, and we just travel around. The Spirit of God is in me, and he's in you, and that's what's going to make the difference. Our expectation and our anticipation of him is what invites him into our lives. But we have to be careful not to just make him out to be some Hollywood Holy Ghost where we just kind of entertain. Hey, entertain me, Holy Spirit. Give me some goosebumps. Give me some little scratch my back, tickle my ears. You know, give me something crazy that I can share with somebody else and freak them out. <laughs> That's not what it is. That's not what it's all about. Amen? You know what he wants? His primary thing is to give you power to bring a message to the world that matters and makes a difference. The message of the Holy Spirit, when it first came out, was about 3,000 people being saved. That's why he said, wait, because I want the Holy Spirit to come, because when you deliver the message without it, it won't work. That's why Peter didn't have the boldness that he had before, excuse me, after that. He, he didn't have it before, and he did after because he met the Holy Spirit. Then when he preached, people came under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Then when the disciples preached, they said, who are these guys? They're like, they're like ordinary guys, but it's clear that they have Jesus in them. All right? They were different after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Pentecost is about empowering believers with supernatural ability to make a difference to this world. And these same people, because the Holy Spirit showed up, people would come to a meeting dry and they would go home wet. They weren't planning on getting saved, baptized, and filled with the Holy Spirit. But because the Holy Spirit showed up, all of that happened. Their whole lives were turned upside down. I think you can have a Holy Spirit encounter where people come to church. This day will come, and I prophesy it. This day, people come to church. They want to get saved. They'll start throwing down all their, their bad habits and addictions. I saw, water, I saw like wine bottles and cigarettes and porn magazines and, you know, all kinds of broken relationship stuff. People just repenting. And then they want to get baptized. we got to open up the tank, and people hang out while we get baptized because the Holy Spirit showed up. Because the Holy Spirit showed up. You have to believe for some of that to happen. So again, what do we do? We repent, we be baptized in the name of Jesus, and then you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So here's my close. Just receive the Holy Spirit. Don't give him, don't give the Holy Spirit the Heisman any longer because of the crud that you've heard before. I remember someone inviting me many years ago to receive the Holy Spirit, and because of the packaging, I was subconsciously saying, listen to me, while I, I know you're putting your stuff away, that's okay. Just stay tracking. I was basically saying, 
I want this, but I don't want that. I know you know what I'm talking about. I'm receiving you, but Holy Spirit, but there are certain conditions. There's a certain climate for all of this. I want this, but I don't, I don't want that. I, I, I was okay, but not okay. None of that weirded out stuff. None of that dressing weird. None of that sounding weird. In other words, God, I have some reservations. I have some concerns. But if you can work around all those, I want you. <laughs> the truth is I never said that, in my, I never said that with, out loud, but that's what I was saying in my heart. And this, this is what had to happen for me to receive the Holy Spirit, and I have. The, the relationship with the Holy Spirit, understanding the role of the Holy Spirit, understanding the gifts of the Holy Spirit, not just one, all of them, is I had to come to a place, and this happened many years later, unfortunately, where it really happened, not just a fake. I, I may talk about that um, later on in the series, but where I just, I got desperate. Desperation, I think, leads to revelation. Like, I can't live this life the way I see it supposed to be lived without him. That's what happened. I don't know what's going to get you there, what's going to take you there, what's going to make you want to go there. But there came a day where I said, I just want everything you have for me. And it's then I believe I received the Holy Spirit. Would you stand on your feet? I want to pray for you. Now, I want, I, I want to encourage you. Next Sunday, I prayed about this. Please be really still. Next Sunday, I prayed about this, but we're going to have some extended prayer and ministry in the service. So I'm going to carve out some more time at the end, more than I normally do. I'm going to have leaders down front. And basically, I'm just going to give you more and more opportunities to encounter the Holy Spirit, all right? And again, the Holy Spirit is about not just one thing. Remember, just some of the things I taught already. It's about receiving power. It's about, these are the benefits, power, love, fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, and also the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I want to believe all of that to be, to be a part of your everyday life. This isn't just for super Christians or apostles from a long time ago. This is for all of us. Would you close your eyes as I pray for you? Why don't you say this after me? Say, thank you, Jesus, for the power of Passover, the Lamb of God, taking away the sins of the world including mine and the reality of tabernacles that one day we will tabernacle with you forever and always now I ask you to pour out your spirit upon me now, now just if you want this you can say this part but just say I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and in power just like they were in the upper room Say, I want your power. I want your love. I want the fruit of the Spirit. I want the gifts. I want you. Just raise your hands, good and high. If that was you, just raise your hands. Now, Father, you see, Son of God, you see, Holy Spirit, you see these people who genuinely want the Holy Spirit to be poured out upon them. I pray that you pour your Holy Spirit into everyone who genuinely wants to receive the Holy Spirit. Just pour it out, God, on people. They, they're admitting they can't do it. They've heard your word, and now they want to respond. They're hearers, and now they want to be people who obey, God. Fill them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Fill them with your Holy Spirit. 
Lord, nothing gets filled that's not emptied already. And so I just pray that anything that needs to be emptied in their life, any sin that separates them from God, maybe God's, the Holy Spirit could be revealing that to you, the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Maybe just say, I'm sorry for that, Lord. Just under your breath, I confess that sin. Anything, any hindrance, maybe it's bitterness, maybe it's some kind of, you know, relational problem, maybe it's fear, maybe it's some kind of religious barrier. You just, you just kind of renounce that. And as I give that up, I empty myself of that. And as you empty that, then I pray the Holy Spirit, fill that now. Fill them and fill them by your Holy Spirit. Fill every single person in this room with the power of the Holy Spirit, God. We need the work. We need the works. We need relationship with with the Holy Spirit in this church, in every single person's life, I pray that the Holy Spirit's outpouring would manifest. In other words, it would show up. It would be evident. Some people will, will begin to see things differently. They start to have dreams. They start to have visions. They start prophesying. They start foretelling things to come. Encouragement and edification to others and to themselves. They begin to understand. God opens their eyes. Lord, pour that kind of spirit out. Lord, I pray they, they have the fruit of the spirit. They begin to walk in self-control and goodness and kindness and faithfulness and gentleness. All the fruit of the spirit begins to manifest in their life in Jesus' name. They have power, God. When they face certain situations, they have authority. There are people in this room that need authority over their circumstances and when they pray, something will happen because the Holy Spirit has given them power, God. I pray for the gifts of the Holy Spirit to be poured out. All the gifts, God, that we think like you think. We speak like you speak. We act like you act, God, because the Holy Spirit is in this place. The Holy Spirit is in this place. Fill them, fill them, fill them. Every week, God, we come, we get filled up a little bit more. Next week, it's going to be a move of God. We're going to take it to another level. People are going to come anticipating. It's like we're coming to church, and the church suddenly has become the upper room at Connect Community Church. It's an upper room, and people come in hungry. People come in in unity. They're all in one place, in one accord, seeking God and they're being changed. And people walk into that place and they say, what is happening? And they're confused, but at the same time, they're amazed because everybody seems to be speaking the same language. Everybody seems to be seeking the same God. And sun, signs and wonders are falling because of that. In Jesus' name, come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap all over the room. Amen, 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 woo! Hallelujah. That is awesome. Let's make sure, connect that we take that with us when we leave here, that we start applying these principles as soon as we...